Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable Podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and on location, or on-premise and on-premises. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept or premise. In this episode, we're discussing security and backup, the collision thereof, and the fact that basically backup is just a massive security hole, or maybe not. But before we begin, let's meet the panel. Hi, I'm Karen Lopez. I'm Data Chick on Twitter. I blog at datamodel.com. Hi, I'm Corey Younger. I'm SDN Daughter on Twitter, at CyberCorey on Instagram, and I blog at totalpackets.com. Hi, I'm Josh Fidel. I'm a Principal Solution Architect with Rolta Advisix. You can catch me on Twitter at J-C-E-F-I-D-E-L, and I blog at thevfidel.com. So we have been talking about backup quite a lot, and um, it occurs to me that basically nothing would be more succulent and delicious for an evil actor than a backup, because you basically have all the data, right? I mean, it's got to be the biggest security hole there is. Are we, I, I, who's going to agree with me here? Yeah, so I'll agree with you. Um, not only do you have all the data in a backup, you also are just perpetuating uh, bad data. So say a bad actor goes and infects a backup. Every single time that that data set is being backed up, you are just perpetuating this bad data set. Um, so as you spread that data, um, as you pass data either inside your organization or outside your organization, um, all you're doing is infecting other hosts. So I disagree. Like it might be the technical security hole, but we all know that people are the biggest security hole, right? Humans and, and your cats, if you let them also walk on your keyboard, which I do. So um, I don't think that backups inherently have to be a security risk, but I certainly think that a lot of times IT professionals forget that they need to secure those as well. So Karen, are you saying that we can catch these security flaws in the backups, or how are, how are you saying that they're not a security risk? So I'm not saying they're not. I say they can be, okay. but they need to be secured, but they're not often secured the same way as a production system because some backups are offline, some backups are in a different place, or they're already compressed and encrypted because you don't worry about performance of an already written backup, like those kinds of things. But when I say that sometimes backups our security holes, it's because someone's just copying a file, whether it's automated or not, and then I've seen backup tapes sitting out on in an office lobby ready to be picked up by Iron Mountain, and it's there in a big box that says Iron Mountain on it, and that says to me there's probably data on it. Yeah, anybody with a vest and a clipboard could, could walk in there and walk off with that box and have all the data. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess that goes back to what you said is that humans are the security yeah. hole. Yeah. So if we have security analysts now putting on the storage hat, which I'll be honest, I study security and that's my chosen field, yeah. but I never think about storage, ever. Um, so if we put on the storage hat for a second and say, hold up, let me double check this data before mm -hmm. I run a backup. Um, let me double check this before I pull it down from the cloud or send mm -hmm. it back up. Mm -hmm. We could stop that train of of badness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely that because 
um, I don't know a lot of people that you're, you're under this pressure. Is the system back up? Is the system back up? RTO and RPO, and do they run scans on it before they restore it? Restore nope. it? I don't know, but maybe we should. So let's organize the conversation a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we, I think both of you have agreed in this conversation so far that that backup has the potential to be a massive security mm -hmm. hole because all the data is there, and it all depends on how you manage it. Am I am I getting it right? I think so. Yeah, I think that we need some training and awareness around uh, storage security because um, I definitely think that's a part of the industry that we just haven't even looked into. Or maybe storage security people, maybe you're just hiding. Uh, so s speak up, tweet us at uh, Gestalt IT Podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. So yeah, we are uh, definitely not hiding. I've, I've been studying that for a long time. You know, there's me. Uh, Josh, what do you think, man? You want to jump in here? So eventually the argument's going to go away because so many companies are doing things in the realm of anomaly detection, AI, machine learning, what your data sets look like on a regular basis. Hey, something has changed drastically. Uh, your data delta is something insane. Then yeah, something probably got messed up along the way. However, before you even back it up, why aren't you automating data scrubbing processes to make sure that your data doesn't get corrupted before it even goes to that process? I think that's where. It's not an either or, though, right? We should oh, no, be doing it's, all it's, these uh, things. Oh, it's all yeah. of it. Yeah. It's, it's never a blueberry. It's an onion. <laughs> yeah. Layers. Layers. And we, Layers. Yeah, you can't just squish the blueberry. You have to be very delicate and very careful and make sure that, uh, you know, when we're using AI and machine learning, that we're being so careful in that we are scrubbing the data and making sure that our data sets are pure because it is so easy to write in for bad data um, and make that a part of your learned environment. Um, so, I mean, and I've seen use cases time and time again of environments that, um, you know, malicious code or um, a threat was never caught because the algorithm actually learned that as the base environment. So I think as we shift to that, we need to just be very, very cautious. So there's a bunch of different concerns here in terms of security as well. So you've got sort of the confidentiality angle, meaning somebody walks off with a box of unencrypted tapes that contain all of your data, right? So that's a big problem. You've got the integrity angle, which Corey's brought up in terms of you know perpetuating corrupted data, or you know oh you get a malware attack and pretty soon that gets written into your snapshots and gets written into your replicated environment and gets written out to your tapes and suddenly you know you're you, you you've lost and um, you know and then you've got the availability angle as well. Um, backups could theoretically be used as a denial of service vector, but um, you know I think that maybe that one's less of a concern. Um, because the other ones are such a great concern. Um, you know, personally, I, I, I'd like to focus in on the first one, though, the confidentiality thing. So, you know, as we're doing more and more SaaS backup and backup in the cloud and backup to disk and stuff like that, um, you know, you really are opening up uh, your, your data to intrusion, right? Every copy of your data is a security risk, right? So one of the... Um, one of the things I want to point out is that not everyone does backups for disaster recovery or business continuity. Another really common reason why organizations do backups is so they can do a backup in production and restore it into dev test so that they can use production data 
unencrypted, unsecured, unmasked data in dev and test. And I think that's probably 95%, and I'm probably being too nice, of organizations that do this. And they do it because it takes a lot of time to create test data. And um, so people make backups for business continuity, but they use restores for a whole bunch of risky things as well. And a lot of times that's some of the most common data breaches is people have restored production data and maybe to get it to their developers they put it in an S3 bucket and that was unsecured and a lot of those breaches are happening because of dev tests, not because of production. That's a really smart observation, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. I guess it, it, if you're going to do things like that, why aren't you doing proper security auditing? Either hire yeah. an outside firm or have somebody inside become a security. But everyone's aware of and it. It's part of their process. Well, or people are blissfully unaware. As That's soon it. as you pass something off to developers or your your test team, um, you're, you kind of wash your hands of it. And That's you say, all right, this is out of my environment, mm -hmm. and I no longer have to worry about it. I was talking earlier um, with someone about um, the liability of data. So when we choose a cloud vendor, who are we trusting with our data? We oftentimes just pass it off to someone and say, okay, well now I trust you. You're using the right encryption. Um, you're taking the right security protocols and we're not sharing this liability. Um, you know, we don't even have a proper uh, liability or shared risk matrix for, uh, for storage vendors. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to be very conscious when we choose a storage solution and also be very conscious of what data we're storing and where. Absolutely. I mean, data classification is, you know, every time there's a data breach, a company will say, we don't believe any credit card or password information was compromised. But there's a whole ton other types of data that could be in there. And I'm, based on my experience, most organizations have no idea what data is in what database is in what file. Mm -hmm. They haven't done the indexing. They haven't done the data classification. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like they just say those things because those are the things that they're going to get penalized on immediately, mm -hmm. and that way they can kind of cover their proverbial butts a little bit to not, uh, you know, not get in trouble immediately. And then, of course, the other uh, aspect that's always uh, predictable and hilarious is the escalation of da data loss after a breach. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, only a few customers have been affected. Pretty soon, it's a million customers have been affected. Pretty soon, it's the entire world is affected. You know. And oh, oh um, I mean, I think that. So what I do in consulting is I quantify the risk of data. I put into money terms for the non-IT people the value of securing your data. And I think that if more companies did this proactively before deciding where to store their data, um, they'd be a lot more careful, careful about what they're putting where. Um, because when you have a breach, you're not just facing the fines. You have the legal fees, remediation, loss of business. Um, and you're facing the consequences of these actions for years to come just because of you know, one admin or IT personnel choosing to press a button and store something on-prem or in the cloud versus on-prem. I agree with you, but I will say, are there really any consequences these days? 
Yeah. I mean, we've no. had these. I mean, we know that GDPR has some big, like 4% global revenue, which is big. That's the entire margin for some industries, right? right. But have we really seen with the largest breaches anyone being crippling business? There have been companies who have been guilty of massive breaches and they're still in business. Mm -hmm. So I would say no, there really isn't. I, they may have paid a fine, which is it punitive enough? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we need to redo the fine structure and make it a percentage instead of, and I think there is a percentage uh, factor in there, um, but make it a percentage instead of the 1.5 or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it's detrimental to business, but maybe there needs to be more done. And definitely, I think there needs to be more awareness after a breach. I think that we're so concerned with penalizing someone instead of teaching them what they did wrong um, and making it an example for the industry. It's a cost incentive, though. Is it going to cost me more to pay the fines after the breach or more to protect myself before the breach? Yeah, if a security solution is $3 million and a fine is $1.5 million. I would say it's not just a financial cost of doing those things, but it's also consider the loss of goodwill after the breach. Is that enough to cause your business serious damage? You can attribute real do dollar value to that. Yeah. Well, the, one of the things I like about GDPR is it has the opportunity for criminal proceedings against highly negligent, highly, um, or, or leaders who have um, chosen to make do the cost benefit risk and say, you know, the fine's only this. Like the largest fine in our industry is $100,000 and it's gonna cost us more to hire someone to do this work. So let's, um, let me focus on that actually, because that's a really interesting angle. You guys have mentioned GDPR a couple times here. Um, I haven't, you know, back to the topic of backup, I haven't heard much uh, about GDPR and backup except with regard to things like e-discovery. You know, I mean, we saw, um, you know, we, we, we see companies that have like e-discovery or data governance uh, products uh, touting the value of their data uh, of their system to like identify, you know, personally, inf personally identifiable information or credit card numbers or whatever it is. But I haven't really heard a lot of talk about GDPR specifically with backup. You know, I mean, when people talk about backup, a lot of the time they don't seem to even think of GDPR as, as one of the considerations. Like, is, is that even on the RFP? I mean, is that something that's, that they're considering? I guess maybe. <laughs> I, it, it, in a general sense, I believe it is covered because the right to be forgotten laws, you can notify a company that you want all your data scrubbed from their records and they have to go through. Mm -hmm. Fine, maybe they don't have any record of you, but they still have to do the search and erase mm -hmm. those records, right? Mm -hmm. Does that include backups? I would say in a general sense it does because it's a data set that your company yeah. owns. Yeah, I think it's covered in there because GDP, many privacy and, and security compliance legislation don't make a distinction of what that data was for. Is it a replicated database for performance reasons? Is it production? Is it a backup? Is it a printout of a report that came out of it? I don't think it makes a distinction on that. I think though that I've talked to a lot of organizations that have forgotten about their backups because of course production is their first priority of knowing where the data is. But the other part of right to be forgotten is just right to know. Like you can ask, I want to see all the data you collect about me, and not just to be forgotten. And a lot of companies, especially outside the EU, are struggling with that because they literally do not know what data they have about a person. Except now they're required by law. 
And I, I think that one of the things that Karen said actually really resonates with me as well. Because again, I'm of uh, I'm the storage guy. I, I was I was a storage administrator. I was the email administrator. I was one of those people that was doing that stuff. I will admit that I never really thought about backups when I was thinking about you know like like it wasn't top of mind. You know what I mean? Somebody would talk to me about something, you know, this application or this data set or whatever. And I was always thinking of like, you know, which server is it on, which storage array is it on, you know, that kind of things. I mean, backups were, were just sort of taken for granted, you know? And, um, you know, I imagine that they probably are in, in a lot of cases, even if GDPR is relevant, maybe people aren't thinking about it. I wonder if, I wonder if lawyers are thinking about it. I wonder if, uh, you know, I courts. hope so, because it's, yeah. So, yeah, good point. Wow. And uh, yeah, so, so another aspect of, um, of da data protection with regard to security that we haven't talked about yet, and again, as a, secured, as a storage guy, this was very relevant to me because it was a big challenge to get, to get backups working. You have to give the backup application like super user access. You have to give it access to all the data, even access sometimes that you don't have. So as a systems administrator, um, obviously, I could have root on my Unix systems, right? But um, on shared storage and things like that, there was a lot of data that I wasn't allowed to see. You know, maybe I could have seen it if I really tried, but I, I wasn't supposed to be looking at. But I had to get access to that automatically for the backup system. Does that scare you guys to think about the fact that basically we're granting the backup system super user access to literally every data set in the business? Yeah, I'm not entirely too concerned with it, uh, just because of encryption. Um, the fact that you know this data isn't sitting there in plain text, so someone can't just sit there and take all the data from us. Um, but you have to give it access past encryption. You can't just back up encrypted blobs. You have to have the system have access to the data, period, all the data. Yeah, and it, anything that can be encrypted can be de-encrypted. So regardless of the fact, um, you do have all the data sitting there. But um, you know, I, I see it as there's no way to get around it. Uh, so it doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't bother me all that much. And I don't see backups as a huge uh, target of attacks, although maybe after seeing this, they, they yeah, may be. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, sorry about that, the world. world. We're just opening up a new avenue of attack here. So, well, I, I guess I'll, uh, I'll ask you guys to sum up here at the end of this conversation then. Um, how, how do you think? After this conversation, do you think that backups are a massive security risk or not? Uh, I'm going to start with you, Josh, so I'll give you a second to think. Uh, do you think that this has been proven? Or do you think that this is still up in the air? Or are you just not so worried about it? So the professional part of me says I'm not so worried about it because there are good engineers and good security people who know how to handle their business and will take care of it. The realist in me says, oh, dear God. <laughs> uh, Corey, what do you think? Um, so, yeah, I do think that backups are still and will continue to be a rising problem. Um, and I think the way that we mitigate that is by, uh, you know, considering that all security problems are people first problems um, and making sure that people are vigilant in developing good products that, uh, you know, run security scans on backups and, um, and that we're very careful about the data that we uh, 
that we back up and, and store for long amounts of time and, and where we store our data. I think that uh, all copies of data are data. And so whether it's a massive security risk, I do think it's one of the overlooked things, just like printed or otherwise distributed data can be also forgotten about, is that we tend to overly focus on app security and production databases and all those things, and not all the places where data goes, JSON files, XML files, messaging, all of that stuff. Um, but I think that you know this having our having this discussion is raising that awareness and everything, and that all data is attractive for someone messing with it or taking it. Absolutely, I think that that's you know the, the key takeaway for me is is that right there that um, you know as you said I, I love the, the the quote you said basically all data is a potential security risk all mm -hmm. copies of data all data everywhere and um, and it's important to remember that backup is a copy of data and is a potential security risk. I mean, I, I'm definitely on the side that this is a, is a risk. Now, maybe as Corey points out, maybe it's not a risk that's been exploited too much, but uh, it probably will be. <laughs> and uh, we'll see what happens with that. Thank you for listening to the On-Premise IT Roundtable. If you enjoyed this discussion, remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes, since that really helps our visibility. And please share this show with your friends. This podcast was brought to you by gestaltit.com your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.